Welcome to Obstetrics and Gynecology Emergencies. This is a podcast developed by the Obstetrics and Gynecology Group of University College Dublin. It aims to review common emergencies in obstetrics and gynecology. The podcast is primarily directed to UCD students, but students from other universities are very welcome to listen, as well as trainees in obstetrics and gynecology. The aim is that every podcast will cover something of interest for everyone at every stage, from first-year medical student to senior professor. We will review each emergency in six ways, looking at risk factors, causes, definitions, early and late management and long-term implications. This means that the podcast will be relatively short and succinct. The following podcast is the first of six episodes of the management of shoulder dystocia. We've chosen shoulder dystocia as the third emergency for the podcast as it is a time-dependent acute obstetric emergency that can occur unexpectedly and is a significant cause of fetal and maternal morbidity. This first podcast will review risk factors, but it's very important to know that many occur in women with no risk factors. This is the reason why clinical staff have to be always aware of how to manage a shoulder dystocia at any time. There are several risk factors for shoulder dystocia that may be identified during the antepartum period. For instance, fetal macrosomia, which is usually defined as a big baby, but can be defined in various different ways. Some define it as estimated birth weight greater than 4 kilos, others 4.5, and still others greater than 5 kilos. Many clinicians suspect macrosomia when the fetus is measuring greater than 90 centimetres for gestation and if known, gender. The problem with all of these definitions of macrosomia is that estimations of fetal weight aren't very accurate in the antenatal period, and they range for 10 to 20%. Taking just a 10% range, this means that an estimation of fetal weight of 4.5 kilos may actually be a fetal weight of anything between 4 and 5 kilos. At the extremes of weight, the estimation of weight may have a range of 20%, so the estimation is even less accurate. To make this even more complex, one study showed that the majority of macrosomal infants delivered without a shoulder dystocia, and half the shoulder dystocias occurred in normal weight infants. Maternal obesity, or excess weight gain, is a risk factor in that it increases the chances of macrosomia and paradoxically makes estimation of fetal weight even more difficult. Similarly, diabetes, whether pregestational, that's type 1 or type 2, or gestational, can increase the risk of macrosomia. Therefore, maternal obesity and diabetes increase the risk of asymmetrical macrosomia, which in turn increases the risk of shoulder dystocia. Prolonged pregnancy may increase the risk of shoulder dystocia as well as advanced maternal age. Male fetuses have an increased risk, as does a previously big baby. Previous shoulder dystocia increased the risk of recurrence. This history will prompt a very careful review of the previous shoulder dystocia management and discussion regarding the best mode of delivery. For example, women with previous shoulder dystocia, especially if associated with macrosomia, may be advised to check for gestational diabetes, to be careful of weight gain in pregnancy, be delivered before their due date so that the pregnancy is not prolonged and the decision on mode of delivery will need to be very carefully made. This will be discussed further in the podcast on implications. During labour, in the interpartum period, several risk factors may be identified, including prolonged or dystocic first stage, prolonged second stage, need for oxytocin augmentation of labour and need for assisted delivery. Again, these are confounding risk factors as a woman has a dystocic first stage of labour is more likely to need oxytocin augmentation, 
and a woman at the stosic second stage of labour is more likely to need an assisted delivery. Every time a clinician considers an instrumental delivery, they're also weighing up the possible risk of shoulder dystocia. As macrosomia is a common theme underlying many of the risk factors, some might ask, why don't we just perform an elective caesarean delivery for the macrosomic infant? Well, amongst women with diabetes, we'd need to perform 443 caesareans for infants with an estimated fetal weight greater than 4.5 kilos in order to prevent one case of brachial palsy injury, which is the long-term implication of shoulder dystocia. In the non-diabetic population, the number needed to treat would be over 3,500. After reviewing these risk factors, it's important to reiterate that many shoulder dystocias occur in the absent risk factors and many occur in normal weight infants. This concludes the first podcast on shoulder dystocia, reviewing the risk factors. Thanks for listening.